city to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to Be In The Zone Network. This is it. Let us read from the playbook, the King James playbook. And basketball chosen one asked the soul of the game for court vision. And it was granted to him. Can I get a layup? The chosen one didn't ask for hops. Coach Reverend. He didn't ask for handles. Why did the chosen one ask for court vision? I'm going to tell you why. Just let it say. He wanted glory for the team. Oh, I feel the soul of the game coming over me. Hey everybody, this is Ashley Wright from Sports with Ashley, and you are listening to The Price Check. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Price Check Podcast here on the In The Zone Network, where we go city to city, state to state, worldwide. You are listening to In The Zone. Had a special uh, throwback right there for your, your listening pleasure. Back to 2003, Whew. which is one of, if not the first... LeBron James Nike commercial. Yeah. It, it was, man. It was, 2003 seems so long ago. <laughs> I remember, and the reason why we're doing this show today is, of course, when we're taping, today's LeBron's birthday. Yeah, so that, that is the reason for, for us including that throwback there. That is a, a rookie LeBron okay. James. And now we fast forward whole 18 seasons. God. <laughs> to, to not only his 36th birthday – um, coming off of his fourth championship and basically being everything that we hyped him up to be in 2003. Yeah. So, shout yeah. out to LeBron. Yo, I'm going to tell you this, man. Like, um, do you the other commercial that reminded me that it was going to be something special was the commercial that Nike did when they put the Cavaliers and the Kings together. Put all the players from the Cavs, everybody on the Kings, because i never forget Mike Bibby's face. <laughs> Being on that commercial, like everybody, no, it yeah. was no, it wasn't fake. Like all these play- players were real, you know. Usually when they do stuff like that, they put fake players with them. Right. Uh, uh-uh. uh, this was everybody because everybody knew his first game was against Sacramento, yep. and then he just stopped, and then the crowd around the crowd just they paused, players paused, and it was just it was just a nutty commercial to me, man. I was like, wow, this is gonna be something, and that's how we built him up. Yeah, and. Look at him living up to the hype. Not not many people do it, but LeBron is one of the few. So man, I mean, it, it, we consider all day talking about man how great he really is and whatnot, man. But it's just like, dude, there's I'm I'm gonna stick to my guns when I say this. He is the most polarizing athlete I've ever seen. Yeah, across all sports, not just basketball. Yeah, exactly. So, but he got the acting chops. He does. He does have the, the acting down. I give hey, him that. When he did the LeBrons and he did my man Wise and he was a uh, <laughs> pretty boy. Yeah. Pretty boy Tony. Yeah, don't touch his lemonade, man. <laughs> don't touch his lemonade. Oh, my man. God. And the kid, I'm like, oh, okay. He can show his acting chops. It, it's, it, I find it funny to me that he didn't really get his first uh, real acting gig until he did that Amy Schumer movie. Yeah, Trainwreck. Trainwreck. Yeah. Uh, which I, I still have not seen for beginning. I'm afraid to, end. to look at it, but I mean, I, I you know what? Hey, we in like what month eleven of a pandemic, so I might you know we might have time for it at some point. Here <laughs> soon. Man. I watched Soul before I watched. <laughs> look, I I watched Soul. It was it was a good movie. Okay, it was a good movie. Um, yeah. I'm a little confused as to why it. Well, I'm not confused as to why it was amateur animated i i don't know if that's a movie that you're supposed to watch with children it I, seems a little it seems like a weird watch for kids but as an adult i like the message behind it it, it was a decent movie it was like inside out yeah Remember inside out yeah you know he was like is this for children actually it was because it was about a kid yeah and so you know 
shout out to to Jamie Foxx and obviously you know Disney Plus for allowing it to be an animated movie based on black people because we don't Pixar, you know we don't we don't get too many of those. Um, nope. But it was it was a nice movie. It was, yeah. it was a good watch. Yeah. Um, so you know uh, enough I guess digression here <laughs> to start the show. But it's our last price check episode of the year 2020. Mm-hmm. So. Of course, we're going to you know, talk a little bit about what has gone on in the NBA since the season started here a little over a week ago. Um, and, and, you know, really kind of look forward into 2021 and, and the finish of the season and what we can expect. But a few different storylines that we want to cover, a couple di- different directions that we want to go in. Um, want to start here. There are two remaining undefeated teams in the NBA. If you could have told me through four or five games that the two undefeated teams in the league are going to be the Orlando Magic and the Atlanta Hawks, I would have thought you were lying. Oh, I thought you were straight up crazy. But look at it. Here in the year 2020, that has been crazy enough for all of us. The Atlanta Hawks and Orlando Magic are the ones out, you know, pacing the rest of the group here in the NBA. And not only that, it's not just the fact that the 2020 started in December. <laughs> <laughs> this, this this league started. Yeah. The last time I remember that happening was 2011. Yep. Started on, but it started on Christmas Day. Right. So, you know, it, hey, I, I think that I made a point of it on our season preview, um, and I'll say it again now. I think we're going to continue to see some weird outcomes this year. Um, but having watched some of the Hawks having watched some of the magic there are things that I see from both teams where I obviously I don't see them being like the best two teams in the Eastern Conference the rest of the year but I can see things in how they play and you know players that they have that I think could let both of them end up being playoff teams when it's all yeah. said and done yes yeah. I can see that too um, man. the magic man Markel Fultz though like I know Philly thought you know whatever was going on with him was enough to be like hey you know we might as well just kind of cut ties now give him a fresh start this this and that um but it's really looking like orlando got over on them with that deal because faults has been everything that they have needed him to be we've been saying for i don't know how many years all the magic really need or what we need to see on the magic is a legitimate point guard and now they finally have it and that might be the reason why they starting the season four now Maybe. And and I will say this is, you know, he came from the Sixers. The Sixers are stagnant and it's like magic is on the rise. Yeah. And so um, they were the eighth seed last season and, you know, they got swept uh, by the Bucks. But at the same time, you when you start there, it, that only means you can go up from there. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I I even said coming into the season that I thought they were a team that might blow it up by the time we get to the trade deadline. Um, now they might be a team that's looking to go add pieces when we get to the trade deadline. Yeah, that um, means they can keep Aaron Gordon instead of trading them. Or if you're going to trade Aaron Gordon, at least get players in return that you know are going to continue to allow you to be in a position to win. Uh, whereas before they might have just taken, you know, whatever pieces they can get to continue rebuilding. Uh, but, no, I, I like what I've seen from the Magic so far. Like I said, Markel Fultz has been nice. Uh, I like what I've seen from Cole Anthony. I don't know that those two players can necessarily play together in your backcourt, but that might be something that they start to experiment with a little bit throughout the season. Uh, the Hawks, I knew they could be good offensively. I had a lot of questions about them defensively. Um so far, that hasn't really proved to be an issue. Now, granted, we, we got to be a little transparent. They've played not necessarily the greatest schedule through three games. <laughs> but for a team that, you know, everybody was kind of, you know, riding the hype train of, a, you know, they might be ready to take a leap this year. They look as good as advertised. Yeah. Uh, specifically exactly. Trey Young because yeah. I, I, I want to say he's leading the league in scoring so far through their, you know, three or four games. Um, I've liked what I've seen out of a lot of their young guys, you know, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. Um, you know, obviously they got Bogdanovich, Gallinari this offseason. That was kind of the names that people focused on. Uh, but I think they they a legit team in the East. I, I'm obviously not, again, not picking them to win the East or be a top two or three team, but I think they can be a solidified playoff team, especially with the way that the rest of the East might play out. They might be able to climb as high as like six, seven. Uh, rather than being somebody that's trying to scrap, you know, and, and claw in at the last minute. So, 
Yeah. Like what I've seen from the Hawks. Um, I think they also still have a move that they could probably make uh, with some of the players like on their roster. So, like, if they wanted to decide, okay, hey, we went out and got Bogdanovich Gallinari, maybe we can trade a Kevin Herter or trade a John Collins because we have Capella and, of course, the the first-round pick of Kongwu. Um, you know, they got some of those options now, whereas right. before they, they might not have. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, um, how this team comes together, man. You know, it's like last season we was just getting into the mix and, you know, of course Trey Young is doing his thing as always. And But I'm I'm looking for what Rondo, as the season progresses, yeah, how he molds this team. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing because I know more than likely this is coaching while playing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's the same thing I could say for Yadonis Haslam in Miami. Yeah. It's more coaching than he is playing. The same thing Jawan Howard did when they was uh those two championships. Yeah, for the Heat. You know, yeah. he, he was kinda at the end of the bench just making sure that he was kinda that veteran presence, uh, you know, in the ears of some of those young guys and, and kinda galvanizing that team when they needed to throughout the season. So staying in the Eastern Conference, but going to a team that is a little bit of a different surprise, uh Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Currently defeated. <laughs> uh, 0-4 to start the season. I mentioned on our last show how I was a little skeptical of their outlook for the season. Now, granted, I thought they were still going to be a playoff team. But right now, and having watched them a couple times so far, I think it really is an issue, one, that they are relying pretty heavily on just a really big group of role players as opposed to, you know, having a couple stars that you can rely on night to night. Um, granted, Van Vliet, again, he got paid, you know, definitely deserved it. He's been, you know, doing his thing so far to start the season. Kyle Lowry is starting to look like, you know, uh, old point guards start to look a little bit, you know, towards the tail of their career. People yeah, he forget. Ain't Chris Paul, bro. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not Chris Paul, and people don't realize that Kyle Lowry, I think it's 34, 35. Yeah. So he's getting up there, and, you know, you can look at any – point guard, whether you consider him to be an all-time great or just somebody that you consider to have been a role player in, you know, the history of the NBA. Once you get past, like, that age of 32, 33, point guards really don't put up numbers. Outside of Chris Paul, he's the only one that we've seen be able to do it consistently past those ages and, I guess, to a lesser extent, like a Jason Kidd where he was a role player for Dallas and things like that. You don't see point guards, you know, last as long. So that's a problem for them. Um, I did also make a note of the fact that I thought it was a problem that all they got to replace losing Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka was Aaron Baines. That seemed a little yeah. That's going that's a big hit, man. Because you lose you lose some offensive punch and you definitely lose something on the defensive side. Yes. All Aaron Baines is going to really do is put his hands up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's gonna be you know stand up verticality and all that, but you know he's not the same caliber uh, caliber of player as those two. Um, and then, you know, you got your guys like Chris Boucher, who they gave some money or, you know, re-signed this offseason. He's all right, but he's not, again, he's not Ibaka. He's not Gasol. Um, Ananobi, who has played well so far this season, mm-hmm. he's not, you know, it's just I, I think they have a lot of those, this guy is good, he's okay, but they're not able to have anybody that they can really rely on night in and night out and say this player is going to be great for us. Every night, and at I least think, that's what it looks like right now at the start. Right now, uh, of course, we could look up in a couple weeks, and you know, Pascal Siakam looks like what he looked like before the bubble last year. You know, maybe Kyle Lowry starts to look, you know, like himself again. Maybe those role players just step up in a way that we're not seeing. But right now, I'm concerned that the Raptors might not make the playoffs. Mm. Um, and. The reason for that, like, I just think that once you kind of get into that nitty-gritty of the East, and we laid it out, you know, in the season preview, um, the Nets are as good as advertised. The Bucks have been as good as advertised so far. The Celtics are still a problem. The Pacers are actually better than teams probably thought that they were going to be. Uh, Philly is still in the mix. We talked about how Orlando and Atlanta are now in the mix. We still haven't talked about a team like Charlotte who, while they might not be great, they're still going to be in that 7-10 to 10 hunt for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, the more you start kind of doing the math, especially the longer it takes them to get on track with a 72-game season as opposed to 82, um, 
it, it might start looking a little shaky for them. Yeah, it might. But um, I know right now the heat is at, is down at the bottom. But you got to remember Jimmy Butler has been out. Right. And um, and then they did get thrashed by the Bucks. And but yeah. I don't I don't look at that as a oh my god the Bucks are uh, the scary team again. You this is one of those nights. 33s dropped. Right. And they scored almost as many points as the Heat did, you know, on just threes alone. So, um, they were at full strength. They were not. Right. Now, I want to mention Bam Adebayo's comments about he's like, I have to be a distributor for – no, sir, sir. When they brought you in, you were to bring inside presence. Right. You're not the birthday boy. You're not <laughs> him. Okay? Right. You're not that. You need to be 20, 10, maybe 5. You ain't uh you ain't Nikola Jokic either. Right. Let's get something straight. You might want to be on that same level as him, but you're not him. Nikola knows how to do it. Granted how the Nuggets ain't so great right now. But he knows how to do that on a night-in-night basis. Yeah. You ain't there. What they need you to do is they need you in the post. They need you to score. Yeah. um, I agree in the fact that I'm not going to make too much out of last night's loss uh, because we're also going to see them play again tonight, Milwaukee and Miami. Yes. One thing that I will say, and for those listening, Palmer Alexander and I kind of went back and forth a little bit on Twitter about basically – him feeling that the Heat should still be the favorite in the East and me feeling like the Nets should be the favorite, even with Spencer Dinwiddie's injury, which we'll kind of touch on a little bit. Um, my question for the Heat and also for the Heat fans, Heat culture, all that, right? Mm-hmm. Granted, I'm somebody who was on the bandwagon early for them last year. Right. I do wonder, though, if they are the type of team that is better when they can be the hunter rather than the hunted. And what I mean by that is, are they the type of team that is going to do better when they can kind of feed off of that we're the underdog or nobody believes in us type of mentality as opposed to, hey, the target is on your back. You have to take everybody's best shot game in and game out. I'm a little torn as to which side they fall on. Well, we won't know that right now. Right. I'll say probably a month, a month and a half in, give about six weeks. Yeah, maybe you know, give it a, to about February when yeah. you kind of hit what is t- traditionally the trade deadline. Exactly. Um, You'll know how well that team really is. You know, if they – and even that, you can't even say that. The only way that they don't become what they say they are, they have to be out of the playoffs because they can pretty much play anywhere – in the standings and still be a problem. This is true. Now, my – so, again, I, I'm a little little torn on the heat right now. Just Again, I think they overachieved slightly last year. I didn't think they would necessarily make the finals. Like, I did think they were a team that could beat Milwaukee. Um, I, I don't know, man. I feel like, like even with, like, Bam's comments, right, Bam probably doesn't make that comment if he felt true, like truly felt like they were still, you know, pretty much the the cream of the crop in the East. Mm-hmm. I think they still have some things that they're trying to figure out. Mind you, they also aren't bringing back the exact same team that they had. Um, losing I think, Jay Crowder was something. I think losing Jay Crowder, and we'll talk about what he's meant to Phoenix so far through this early part of the season because that that's been a big big acquisition for them. Um, I think they still are like a piece short. Maybe not necessarily when it comes to the East, but like they still wouldn't they wouldn't beat the Lakers in the finals if they if both teams played again because the Lakers are better than they were last year. And I can't say that about the Heat, at least in terms of what they look like. Rocks, you know, roster construction. Right, exactly. They would all have to literally step up. But the thing is, like, if you look at it on paper, you'd be like. Oh, it's going to be a sweep this time. It's not going to be six games right. like it was before. And granted, it was because Jimmy Butler actually put them on his back. And you saw it in, was it game five? Yeah. Like, literally, he was drained Yeah, after Gassed. that. 
straight up gas. Like it was no way that even though I wanted it to happen to be a game seven, it wasn't. Yeah. And, and I also think like, you know, things like Goran Dragic missing, you know, all the time that he missed, like while that hurt them last year, yeah. He also couldn't guard anybody when he was on the court. And do you lean heavily on a guy like him again where he's a year older now? Uh, or by the time we get into the playoffs, will be a year older than yeah. what he was. Um, and then also not necessarily having as many horses behind him. You know, you got a Kendrick Nunn still, which Kendrick Nunn's all right. You know, I, I think good rotation player, but he's not a guy that I feel like is going to get you over the hump. Clearly he wasn't that last year. Um, I, you depending on a rookie to do it. I know you, we can sit there and say, well, Tyler Hero was, uh, yeah, he was different. above and beyond. But I'm like, <laughs> Hero was different. He was a little different. Yeah. Um, I You know, I I got questions about Miami. I'm not saying that I don't think that they are a contender because they definitely are. I just don't think they're the team to beat in the East because, to me, Kevin Durant playing the way that he is, Brooklyn is always going to at least have the best player on the floor. Despite getting dunked on by Terry Rozier. Yeah, we, we do have to talk about that. Te- Scary Terry, as they used to call him, for <laughs> about two weeks in Boston. Um Terry went up and he like, look, come get this work, KD. Come get this work. And he baby. gave it to him. Gave it to him. And you know, I can appreciate though, um, guys not being afraid to be put on a post or a highlight. Just go for the block. Because Kevin Durant's looking at it like, all right, look, okay, if I get dunked on cool, but I'm trying to keep him from getting the, getting this point. Let me go ahead and see what I can do. You got dunked on, you you know, you picked the ball up and kept playing. It's no it's it's all part of the game. Yep. I can appreciate that versus somebody who's going to kind of run dunk out of the way of Terry Rozier. That, you know. Yeah. But doesn't change the fact that you got boomed on. We we still going to get our jokes off, but I appreciate the fact that you're not scared of the fact that you're going to end up on somebody's highlight reel. It just it was just funny to me how the next night all of a sudden he wasn't playing. Then Kyrie said, "I'm not playing either." <laughs> so you're probably going to see a lot of that too on the of nights course. where where KD decides, okay, these are going to be my rest days because he's I mean he's coming off an Achilles injury. He's going to have, especially with how this season is going to play out, they're going to have to give him some rest. Exactly, and plus he played 36 minutes that night, right? And so it was like. I see where he's coming from, but I was me being the jokester a little bit. <laughs> I was thinking of you know he got his feelings hurt. Yeah, but at the same time, they are they gonna manage it. Same thing was being said for guys like Kawhi Leonard. You might see LeBron on that uh, a couple of times. AD getting some games off, you know, because you want to make sure cause, hey, you want to see them come playoff time. Right. So there are some there are some good that comes from load management. And there's of course. Some that don't, because you wind up getting fifty ball. Yeah, we'll, when we'll, you take out, we'll definitely get to the Clippers yeah. in the second in that fifty ball. Um, but I, so I made the point on Twitter though that I still felt the Nets were the best team or the favorite in the East, even without Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, so for those of y'all listening, Spencer Dinwiddie partial tear of his ACL probably going to miss the rest of the season. Um, while I think that hurts them because that that is depth taken away, yeah. I think you can go find a point guard on the buyout market or just another guard that can kind of help your rotation, you know, trade buyout whatever as you get deeper into the season. Um, you know, we talk about we you know off air talked about the Pistons and how terrible they've looked at different points so far through these first three or four games. Think about it. If Derrick Rose becomes available via buyout, do you not think that he would entertain going to Brooklyn? Or you you go into Karis LeVert's ear and you say, hey, this is your time to step it up. This is your time where if you want to sit there and you want big-time money, I'm going to need you to be a money player for this squad if we're going to get to a championship. That's what you're going to have to do. If stay, stay internal right. for the time being. But if it doesn't, if it seems like it's, it's uh, wavering, then go after that guard. Yeah, and you you got some time to see how that plays out. Exactly. You know, trade deadline now is going to be like I think mid to late March. So right. So it's different that now than compared to trade deadline if Dinwiddie was out then. Right. Like if he gets hurt and the trade deadline has passed, this might be something that's a little bit more severe, at least in my eyes. But then it goes back to what I was saying, Levert. You in his ear talking about some a hey, money time. Hey, I so I think 
from at least the the games that I've seen of Brooklyn so far, Levert is nice. Um, it it still seems like a little weird fit, but I think he I think he'll take the challenge head on and step up. I just don't know if it makes sense to move him to the starting lineup. Or and you don't have to do that because I'm thinking of him in like that Manu Ginobili mode. Or and I'm only using his name because of what I saw from the team aspect. That's the same was Taj Gibson when he was playing with the Bulls. Right when he wasn't a starter, but he got a majority of the minutes. Yeah, so that means crunch time exactly. So that, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to start him, but you know you're going to need him, and he's going to yeah. have to be key. So even if you don't play him much in the first half or whatever, you play him very few. You're going to need him in the second half for sure. He's going to give him his minutes. You know, if you give him at least 13 to 14, at least give him some spare. Uh, ten to fifteen come in the second half. Yeah, like I, I think he'll he'll definitely be somebody that plays more than what he was already playing during crunch time. Um, and you you figure it out because again, I'm of the belief when you have KD and Kyrie, it's not too much. At least with how they're playing right now, there's not too much that's going to derail your chances. Exactly. Um, especially if you you know maneuver the pieces around them correctly, which um, and at least seems through you know these first few games that. Steve Nash, that coaching staff, you know, they've been able to do. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, when the Heat and the Nets get together. I am know. looking forward to that. Yeah, because um, it'll let me know who is a pretender and who's a contender. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to whenever we can get a Heat-Nets uh, heat game, and I'm also looking forward to the very first time we're able to get Nets and Bucks. Yes. Because I think that those, those combinations of games are going to be kind of, you know, where we see – you know, if the where the bar might be sitting uh, for some of those teams. Yep. So, uh, this is the Price Check Podcast here on the In the Zone Network. Of course, talking through, uh, you know, some of our takeaways so far. Starting in the Eastern Conference, we'll switch over to the West here in a second. But um, for the East right now, at least the way it stands through this first week, like what I've seen from Brooklyn, for the most part, I've liked what I've seen from Milwaukee. Um, I don't think they're quite as good defensively this year as they may have been the last couple years. But I think what they might lack a little bit on the defensive end, they're a little bit better now on offense having that other like ball handler in Drew Holiday. Uh, it takes a lot of the pressure off of Giannis and, and really Chris Middleton, who has been amazing so far through these first you know handful of games that they've played. Um, I think it takes a lot of pressure off of both of those guys having him on offense. Um, you know, you can give up a little bit, you know, in the area of defense if that means you're an overall more efficient team. If they watch these first four games with with uh, the Bucks, a lot of teams going to start playing hack of Giannis. Only the reason because right now he's under 60% from oh, the free yeah. throw line, and it's bad. Like it's It's like a complete regression from his rookie year to now. You know, using an MVP level, but you was under 70%. And that's what you was knocking. Right. You know, early on in your career, it's like, is it because now you're taking this pressure that you now you want to make sure that Milwaukee is a contending title-bound team? Because if so, man, you're going to have to start getting at the free throw line and start working on just free throws alone. And what's the mindset that you have having when you get up to the line? Right. And so he missed the free throw that could have tied the game. On opening night for them against Boston. Against Boston. Um, you know, I think that's something that probably is going to continue to be a problem for him. What needs to happen, at least in my opinion, for them moving forward is he just needs to not be afraid to get to the line. Which exactly. you see with a lot of players once they kind of have a down season or down couple years percentage-wise – they start getting a little bit afraid to take contact or to go to the line because they think they're going to miss. You had nine points with a team scoring 144. <laughs> yeah. Nine? I mean, look, they, they set the record for three-pointers made. You know he's not getting in on that action. So As he wanted to, you know what I mean? Right. Because he wants to show everybody, I have an outside shot. Bruh, you need to – your inside, you're trying to get like this LeBron set. Or Anthony Davis, if that's where you're trying to get to. If you know that's not you, and I know you want to do that, don't do that. Joel Embiid, 
Don't do that. I I, I really don't like Joel Embiid hitting three, shooting threes. I really don't. So yeah, I have I have been somebody that has been you know kind of critical of Joel Embiid and the amount of jump shots he takes. Now, granted, you know if they are going to leave you completely wide open, you know. Uh, straight on three from top of the key. Okay, take you know one or two of those in game. Keep them honest. But I think there are too many times that he settles for a jump shot when he has the opportunity to go play big and get to the rim. Bingo. That that's really that's the problem. Uh, I even last night I saw him against the Raptors. He took a pull up three. So like he had the ball in his hand dribbling. He's going to try to take it to the rim. Instead, takes a pull up jump shot. Um, and, and, you know, takes things from there. So, I, I think, you know, the way the East is playing out, I like what I see from a lot of the contending teams out East um, and, and really just want to kind of see more out of some of these teams that we thought were going to be, you know, your contenders, like a Philly, for instance, where um, I definitely think Embiid, while I, I obviously just criticize him for some of the shot selection at times, uh, when he's been on the court this year, he definitely looks – uh, you know, like the Joel Embiid that is going to dominate basketball games. And so um, him and Simmons have at least so far displayed under Doc Rivers that they have, um, you know, the ability to continue playing together. And now that they actually have some shooting around them, look like they might actually have a, uh, a complete team. And, and so I think for Philly, the biggest thing for them at least moving into um, – you know, moving throughout the rest of the season is just making sure, you know, it, it stay as healthy as possible for one. Uh, you're probably going to see them continue to manage the workload of Joel Embiid and uh, maybe to a lesser extent Ben Simmons, but I like the fact that they have shown that they're going to continue to try to get those guys to play together um, and, and play together with the right pieces around them, whereas opposed to, you know, last year, for instance, they're playing these super huge lineups with Horford next to Embiid and, you know, Tobias Harris and, and Simmons all on the court at the same time, and you know it just got clunky. It, the offense looked like it was you know out of out of whack. So um, I think for them having you know the ability to play Seth Curry, Danny Green next to you know Tobias Harris, Embiid, and Simmons uh, just gives them a lot more space and it gives them a lot better flow to their offense. So uh, you know Philly, I think we can expect some good things. It will. It will be interesting to me to see what they turn into come playoff time, but I think they are they're better equipped now for the playoffs than what they might have been, you know, last year with mm-hmm. just the roster yeah. construction in general. Yeah. Um, another team in the East that I have liked what I've seen so far is Indiana. Yes. Um, they just again look like they had better flow on offense. It's not as clunky. They're not playing as many of those lineups with Sabonis and Turner on the floor together. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, and I, I'll make the prediction right now, they're going to trade Miles Turner before the season ends. Wow. I'll, I'll make the prediction right now. Okay. Because they basically, you've now paid him and Sabonis. Mm-hmm. You know Sabonis has been a better fit for you as your as your center in, in terms of the lineups that you play. Miles mm-hmm. Turner has been good off the bench, but you can pay less than $18 million to get a bench center. <laughs> like we we saw it all off season where centers were going for the mid level exception and minimum money. Yep. You can go get a backup center. You can trade Miles Turner for other pieces that are going to help you win now. Um, but I think Indiana's dangerous, um, especially if Victor Oladipo is you know a hundred percent healthy, which it looks like he is now. They are a team that now can play at you know a little bit more pace. They can spread out a little bit. Um, Do you think Nate McMillan stalled him? I don't think Nate McMillan stalled them. What I think might have been the issue, and, you know, we probably won't know this for sure at any point soon, but I think that Nate going into that situation was tasked with trying to figure out the balance between Sabonis, Turner, playing both, playing one, not the other. Um, And I just don't think that he found the balance. Mm. Um, and then I also don't think that it helped them that Sabonis was not in the bubble with them. Right. That, that's a totally different team when he's on the court. And so um, I, I still think Nate got a little bit of a short end of the stick there because yep. at the end of the day, y'all were a playoff team. It's not like y'all had championship aspirations, especially going into last year. Like their star player was hurt at least until January. 
So and then they and lost Sabonis, and they ended up losing Sabonis. So the two best guys you have haven't been able to play together all year, pretty much. Um, so I think he got a little bit of a raw deal, but I do like what I'm seeing from them so far. Yep. So um, I agree, re- man. You know that, that's really kind of where where I, I see the East right now. Um, it's a shame with uh, Washington going through. Yeah, you know Washington is a little bit of a different type of surprise for me because I didn't think that they would. Now, granted, again, it's only four games, but what I'm seeing is them adding Westbrook still hasn't, I won't say it hasn't made them better, but it hasn't turned into much for them. Almost Um, like you're getting the same with what you had when you had John Wall. Yeah, and so maybe it's a little bit of a combination of them trying to fit Westbrook into how they play as well as them just kind of needing some better guys around him and Brad. Um, But I at least thought that they had enough – talent to you know again solidify themselves a spot in the playoffs in the east and, and that might look a little bit shaky right now well at least at the beginning yeah you have to the uh, you have to get everybody gelled and you have to get everybody on one accord and um it might take some time to do that right you know even even though he's with uh, his coach scott brooks you know that's what the prop that's where the problem lies yeah. are you going to go through russ or are you going to go through brad yeah, it's not – I mean, it, I guess in a way it's a good problem to have when you have two stars at the level of, you know, Westbrook and Bill. But at the same time, you're going to have your lumps and your, you know, in a sense your learning curve in terms of those guys trying to, you know, learn how to play with each other. Exactly. So, um, going to keep my eye on them for the rest of the season, but I'm a little bit concerned here to start the season. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, of course, this is the Price Check Podcast here on the End of Zone Network. Going to shift gears for a second now and then go to – Western Conference, where um, not as many surprises in the West. Uh, We knew both L.A. teams were going to be good. Uh, Did not expect the Clippers to get blown out by 50 points the other day, but uh, that was with them being without Kawhi Leonard. Um, Had a lot of good jokes on that on the Internet that day. But um, it is, again, no Kawhi. It's early, man. Like It's early in the season. Dallas was coming off of – uh, you know, a couple early losses, and they really essentially needed the game more than the Clippers did. So I'm not going to hang that over their head too much. Um, Portland, you know, has looked good so far. They came out a little bit flat opening night against Utah, but since then have looked pretty good. Um, if there is one team that I'm kind of concerned with so far in the West that I thought was going to be near the top, and probably, you know, they may still get there towards the end of the season, but that's Denver. Um I just I think something looks off about them right now through these first few games. Um, now, granted, they didn't have Jamal Murray last night in their loss to the Kings on the road, but did have Jamal Murray when they lost to the Kings at home in overtime the first night of the season. So, you know, again, teams to to kind of keep an eye out on, but Denver, I still like for it's just something about them that seems like they still are a piece away. Um. You know, they brought back Millsap, brought in Jermichael Green, but they didn't really bring any wing depth. And I think that's – they might be relying a little bit too heavily on Michael Porter taking the leap as opposed to just getting guys they know can play right now. I don't know, man. When you have a guy that that had 30 and 10 the other night, you know, against the Kings, you know, they lost. But he's already showing promise on the offensive end. But we already knew that that's what he was going to be anyway. Right. The problem where it lies is what you're going to do on defense. Exactly. That's what's going to be the issue. Just because you're 6'10 and you got a great offensive game, you're trying to, you know, solidify yourself like Kevin Durant. Even Kevin played defense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I, you know, of course, heard rumors about them maybe being a team that goes after James Harden. I don't think that's the move that they need to make. I think you'll have to end up giving up way too much. You have to give up Jamal Murray. You're you're gonna have to give up Jamal Murray and probably Michael Porter Jr. in, in order for Houston to think that it's worthwhile. And I would think so too. And if I'm Denver, I'm not doing it. Sorry, but <laughs> I'm not right. And, like, and, and you think Jokic and Harden gonna play together? No, no way. In that hell. don't even sound right. No way in hell. You basically are taking away your strongest asset in Jokic being able to be your primary ball handler at times. Because James Harden is not going to play the same way that Jamal Murray does. Right. Jamal Murray definitely takes much more of a willing backseat to Jokic um, throughout you know the course of the game than James Harden would. So, exactly. Um, I do still think they need some type of like 
combo forward or, you know, two, three type of player where, you know, somebody that they can rely on to hit, you know, outside shots, play defense. Theoretically, it's supposed to be Gary Harris, but we've seen him be up and down a lot, both, you know, last season and the seasons before. Um, helps that they have Will Barton back, but he doesn't really look like, you know, the player that they decided to pay a couple years ago. So, interesting to see how all that plays out. I think they still will be a contender out west. It's just it, it looks a little looks a little off for them right now. What are you going to do with Bowl Bowl? That's going to be a thing here. Like, if you're not going to play him, what's the point of having him? So, he is going to basically serve the purpose of, hey, we need to keep Jokic fresh. We'll give him his minutes. Otherwise, we'll – kind of play it safe like we did with Michael Porter Jr. last year. He had four against the Kings. Four minutes four. of playing time. You're going to sit there and tell me right now that they're going to do do good towards Bowl. I don't think so. I I know it's early and I get that, but you got to you found a reason to get him. Right. So use him. I think he's again. I think he's going to end up getting used like Michael Porter Jr. did last year, where we are as fans frustrated with the amount of minutes that he gets or feels like he should be playing more. And then next thing you know, come the tail end of the season is when Mike Malone is going to try to test it out a little bit and hey, take these minutes here because I think what again, this is pure speculation, but I think what Mike Malone is probably doing is looking at it and saying, hey, I need my best guys on the floor when it comes to crunch time, especially later into the season, later into the playoffs. But I also need to know that I can count on my best guys when they're out there. Um, And I think what you're going to see is him kind of at different points kind of give more and more minutes to Bowl Bowl in those semi-crunch time type of situations when he knows that either A, he's trying to rest Jokic, or B, maybe – Jokic is in foul trouble or something like that where he needs to actually get something out of Bobo. But right now, I don't think they're going to press the issue because, again, he happens to play the same position as their best player right now. Or does he? Because he, cause he, they use him as a wing. Well, I mean. They can use Bobo as a wing, even though he's that high, he's that tall. I don't think – I don't think you can – I don't think you're going to get much out of your minutes – like when he's the small forward as opposed to your five. Yeah. Like it, it just – I think on defense while – Create matchup problems though. Yeah, and I think, you know, creates matchup problems when they're on offense, but on defense while he's, you know, long and athletic, gets a lot of blocks, perimeter play is not just going to sit out here and let him guard them at the three-point line. Like he's going to – he's also going to get his ankles broken. He's going to get, you know, broke off a little bit to where that defense starts to get questioned. And so – I think they still need to go out, you know, again, buy out, trade that line. It doesn't have to be a major move, but at least get in another competent wing that they can rely on uh, when it comes, you know, crunch time and, you know, later into the season because they're, I think that's the only real hole that they have so far. All right. So um, the Suns, a team that I have to give a shout-out to, yeah. beat the brakes off of the Pelicans. Poor <laughs> Pelicans. I mean, just absolutely destroyed them last night. Now, Chris Paul having his Chris Paul type of effect on this team. Um, I thought that, you know, they probably were going to be around like the 7 or 8 seed, you know, in that play-in situation. They look like a legitimate, like, okay, we can be the 4 or 5 seed. And I'm not I'm not afraid to say that at this point. I, told, I said, look. I said it could be an Oklahoma City effect. And it and that's exactly how it looks right now. I'm like, because last year they didn't make the playoffs. I don't think the Thunder did either. Right. The before Chris Paul got there. And they got the four or five seed, right? Yeah. So think about that. If if Chris Paul's playing at that type of level like he did when he was in Oklahoma City and he stays healthy, you're looking at it. A four or five seed. Don't be surprised if they get as high as three compared to what everybody else is supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah, compared to compared to what everybody is supposed to be doing right now, 
they definitely look like the team that is living up to expectations. And I'm shocked that he only played against the Pelicans. Only played 23 minutes, and then not only that, Devin Booker only played 26 and scored just eight. Yeah, like they they were able to coast pretty easily. Last night, um, I think the one thing that I like about Phoenix so far is just it seems like all the pieces fit. They might not be the most household names. They might not be guys that you think of as great NBA players, but all of the pieces that they have on that roster fit together. I love Cameron Johnson. And so, the only reason why I say that is because well, he's Tar Heel. I'm right. a Tar Heel guy. And but I noticed like when he was at North Carolina, what he could do from the outside, and especially those big games where they went against Duke. Yeah, you know, I was loving every minute of that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm like, he translate the same almost like Danny Green, almost. Okay, not saying it is right, but almost like Danny Green can. But there's some similarity there because when Phoenix made that pick in the draft a couple years ago, I was like, eh, y'all sure? Like, I was happy with that pick. You know, happy that he was on Phoenix because the only thing was what I think it was my man playing Detroit now, Josh Jackson. Yep. When they moved him, I was like, oh, this is giving him a chance right. now. And you know he can hit from the outside. You know they're going to need shooters, especially off of the bench. You know, because – and then the addition, of course, the addition of Jay Crowder. I just want to see what Bridges does Yeah, in this offense now. I like Mikael Bridges. Um, I think he is going to be a guy that – um, probably proves his worth a little bit more when it comes to, like, playoff time. Um, he's a guy that you can trust defensively. He doesn't always give you a great amount of production on offense, but, again, they have the pieces to where, again, as long as everybody plays their role, they'll be all right. Um, campaign is another guy. Cam- campaign, Dario think, Sarge. That, like, they just that, got – You know what I'm saying? They just think- got guys that they've kind of pulled out of nowhere, so to speak. Um, yes. Javon Carter, which – I didn't realize he was even still in the league until <laughs> the bubble and he was actually playing serious minutes for them. Hey, and uh, shout-out to Etwan Moore, man. Steadily trying to – and steadily getting on NBA rosters, dude. Hey, ste- dude, he was on – I remember him back from 2010. And back when I used to do this radio show in the mornings, I used to do a morning radio show, and we used to have this guy's name was Lake of Mike. Lake and Mike was such a huge fan of Etwan Moore because they both was from the shot. Okay. He was, and Etwan Moore was from the shot. And so he always was pushing for him, you know, always seeing it. And here I see him getting some clock. Yeah. I'm like, he's steadily pushing and hanging on, man. So you never know what you could get out of him because he can shoot from the outside. It's just that he don't get many chances to do so. Yeah. And that's, again, another guy that you like to have throughout the regular season to give you some minutes to, you know, keep fresh legs coming in, you know, coming on off the court. So I know we sit here and we say garbage time for foes like that, but but you got to think about it, man. At, at the end of the day, these are considered the twelve best players in the world, not the USA, <laughs> the, the world. world. Yeah, the NBA is such on a worldly status that when you make the NBA, coming from the G League or whatever, you are considered one of the best. Players in the world, yeah. No matter how much we sit there and say they scrubs, yeah, they because like, because they're better what, than me. They come out to the water, they killing all of us, baby. <laughs> they come in out in a heartbeat, killing all of us, baby. So uh, no, I, I think you know again, they were Phoenix was a team where just simply adding veteran guys uh, that just knew what to do, where to be, how to do it. I think that's going to be huge for them as the rest of the season plays out. Oh no question! Oh man, it's I'm I'm looking at Phoenix making getting a home game to start the playoffs. Okay, so that means okay. you're looking four at a seed. three seed or a four seed. Yeah, I don't look at them starting on the road. I, 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 if they play this solid the rest of the season, you know, and and barring any injury, four seed is what they're looking at. It could go higher as three, because I don't think. I don't think the Rockets is going to make a lot of noise, unfortunately. I don't think – I think the Clippers are going to regress. The Lakers are going to move back up. Yeah. Um, so, I think if I had to – if I had to say, okay, Phoenix is going to be four, who do you see – or who did you see as a potential top four team coming into the season that you don't see that way now? It, it probably is like uh, – I don't see them dropping past four, though. Like they were, they were the second best team in the West last year, doing the same thing that they're doing now. 
granted, they might not. That still might not translate into anything come playoff time. But just for the regular season, I think they're still going to be in the top three. You losing Montrez Harrell, uh, at least from the bench, and seeing what he's doing over there in L.A. I know, granted, right now Clippers have a better record than the Lakers as we're sitting here doing this show. But how that's going to play off when uh, when we get to playoff time. Right. Because the, the other thing, though, with the Clippers is what Nick Batum are we going to get? Are we going to get the Portland one or are we going to get the Charlotte one? Well, he's looked okay for them so far. Yeah. Um, what I what I will say though, I think he is going to look worse as their competition gets better. I think you're like you'll see him play well in spots, but I think when they actually are playing really good teams, he's gonna be non existent. Yeah, he's not gonna be heard from. Okay. But that just my take. Oh, you know, I, I won't consider that as fact or law. <laughs> just my just my take, baby. Just my take. So um other team that I want to hit on uh, out west before I go, um, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay. Thought they were going to be tanking. They probably are going to still end up being one of – Bottom the, feeders? Yeah, bottom feeders. reason I wanted to bring them up was because I knew that they were going to come into the season and, you know, not necessarily try to be the best team in the west. But it was shocking to me. I pulled up. The game with them last night against the Orlando Magic. Shocking to me just how many guys were on their roster that I either did not know who they were <laughs> or did not know that they had now been become a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. Just just want to yeah. throw that out. There. <laughs> uh, I look. I thought that you know Sam Hinkie and the whole tanking thing, trust the process that he did in Philly was amazing. What they might be on to in Oklahoma City might outdo that by light years because they have guys on the roster that we don't know or that we don't expect much out of, and they also have like 8,000 picks between now and like 2025. So, yeah, I mean, it's a complete rebuild that's going on right yeah. now in Oklahoma City. You know, when you got rid of Chris Paul, you got Justin Jackson out of that deal, and uh, was Trevor Reza in it? No. Well, so Trevor Reza, I think – he was. I mean, he got traded like four times this offseason. <laughs> uh, I mean, you did add George Hill to the mix. You got Al Horford. You know so you I mean? got. I mean, you got veteran guys to yeah. you know to add to the locker room, especially with having a first year um, head coach. coach. Yeah, I just you're not going to ask Al Horford for much. George Hill at this point, you're probably just bringing him to kind of help mentor SGA a little bit. Um, they look. I think they're what one and three right now. Wouldn't surprise me if they got to like you know five and thirty. <laughs> you know they just look take the season, figure some things out. You can figure out if SGA is a guy that you want to build around. You can see how many of your other young guys on that roster are going to be role players that you can count on once you get good again. Um, hell, if you want to, if you want to really be bold about it, go ahead and throw some picks at the Rockets and say, hey, we'll take Harden off your hands. <laughs> All right. So currently we have. Uh, one, four. We have four first-year head coaches, like first time ever head coaching in the league. Yeah, Billy Donovan is the. Uh, I won't even throw Billy Donovan in there because he has coached prior, because he's the first-year guy in Chicago. But Steve Nash, Stephen Silas, Nate Bjorken, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark uh, Dagno. Dagno, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, those are first-year guys. Period. And right now, as we sitting, the guy that with the best record is Nate Bjorken. Hey, I mean, look, he comes from the Toronto coaching tree. Yep. Coaching with Nick Nurse. Yep. Silas uh, comes from the Denver tree. Yes. Because he was under uh, – Now, Steven Silas, I feel bad for. Because first oh, – scratch that. I'm sorry, Dallas. Yeah, so comes from Rick Carlisle's – coaching staff in Dallas feel bad for Steven because you get your first chance at being a head coach and James Harden is railroading you the way that he already is. a problem um which side note still no James Harden trade that's you know fun fact I don't think he's gonna thing. get traded now I if he gets traded it will be after this season I think right because you have to you have to stockpile a lot to get James Harden that means first round draft picks are going to have to be given up 
draft picks. Look, again, I say it again. Drew Holiday got three picks and two pick swaps. Difference. And, and he's not James Harden. Exactly. He's not. But I don't think that – but you have to understand, which was – I mean, it was just dumb on Milwaukee's part. I'm, that's what I'm going to sit there and say with that. It was dumb. But also, they also are thinking they're going to be low-end first-round picks anyway. I get that's it. the difference. With James, you're looking at top picks. You because you, yeah. you got you have to you have to bring in 35 points a game, and then you have to bring in players for that. And then you have to make because they might not even be there long. Right. You know. Also, you have to stockpile with with potential draft picks. So, all that coming into play, yeah, you're gonna have to stockpile for this dude. He might not like it right now. It might not be a team that is on his list, but he could always go to the Knicks. Be, look, what we talk a lot about how James Harden never gets over the hump. He, you know, playoff losses. All he wants to do is champagne and campaign. If James Harden really wants to get some respect put on his oh, name, it would it would definitely make the Nets Knicks games uh, a hell of a lot more interesting. If you want somebody to put some respect on your name, what better way to do it than to be the guy that's the savior for the Knicks? And you think that I see R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, and some draft picks. That's what you're giving up? Yeah. I Look, it, again, if I was a GM, that, is that what we need? We good? Okay, uh, R.J., Mitchell, Julius, if you guys want to go ahead and grab your things, I'll have the car ready out front. <laughs> we, don't, yeah, we don't have to. No, that's James Harden. It's James Harden. What, what do we need to talk about? <laughs> Look, get y'all stuff. I'll be out front. We can go ahead. Y'all, y'all can pick y'all airport. Y'all can go to LaGuardia. Y'all can go to JFK. Either way, I got y'all. Got uh, y'all got to get out of here, man. Yeah, like if, if you got a chance to go get James Harden, why not do it? Well, I'm just saying. I, I think that's a that is a win for both sides. Do you think Tibbs want that kind of problem though? <sighs> Does Tibbs have a choice? It's either a take on that problem or risk losing with another franchise and this being quite possibly your last your last chance at coaching in the NBA. Teams don't have a choice. When he was with Minnesota, he had a lot of pool. A lot of pool. Even though it was only what three seasons that he was there. And ran him into the ground. See, and that's what he does with teams though. Right, but not having the front office pool this time I think is going to be different. If they go out and get him James Harden and he doesn't win or – look, because regardless of how we feel about Harden, if nothing else, his teams are in the playoffs every year. True. And the Knicks yeah. haven't been in the playoffs in how long? Yeah, almost 20 years. I mean, well, I guess outside of the mellow – the couple mellow years they got into the playoffs. It's like 2012 and 2013, but still. Just to just to simply get playoff games in Madison Square Garden. You know, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> so you know, a lot of people a lot of people forget that you know the Mellow Knicks actually had a couple you know couple good playoff moments. Just just a couple, not you know not a laundry list. They uh, you know didn't win a whole lot of playoff series, but they at least got there. And I think if you're James Harden, you won't you know kind of get the opinion on you changed. You're the Knicks. You want to get a star in the building. It makes sense. So 2013 is the last time the Knicks make playoffs. Yeah. And you can make the playoffs next year if you trade for James Harden. Just my take. But, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Price Check Podcast. The last episode here in 2020. Been a great year for the show. Been an interesting and still some a good year for the NBA. Uh, looking forward to more content here, more to talk about out of the league going into 2021. But until next time, this is your host, Josh Price, here on the In The Zone Network, going city to city, state to state, worldwide. Time for us to check out. I'm Alexander for the Inner Zone Network. I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Cafe Piazza. 
They're located at 1900 Arsenal. They have a happy hour where you get buy one, get one 50% off on all items of equal or lesser value. They also have large pizza, beer, and wine. All cash tips go to furloughed employees. That's at Cafe Piazza. Give them a call, 314-343-0294. They also do delivery and curbside pickup. And on the weekend, their brunch is open. Get yourself some bottomless mimosas, Bloody Marys, breakfast pizza, a la carte, all at Cafe Piazza, located at 1900 Arsenal. That is Cafe Piazza, 314-343-0294. 314-343-0294 and a thank you for your business.